right. You are, Pastor Drew's right back there, and Jonathan, nope, Jonathan's back there, you're heading to kids. All right. Good morning, Mosaic. Good morning. Thanks, Gil. Appreciate that. Good morning. Hope you're having a good weekend. Nice dreary day for some football today. And uh, all of our football fans are right over here. Okay, this is the football section, just so you know. This is the other football section, right? All right. So what the whole world calls football, right? Except for us. Well, um, today we are continuing our series walking through Luke chapter 14, entitled Table 14. If you want to take a Bible out and turn on or turn to Luke chapter 14, we're going to be in verse 12 through 24 this morning. But as we get started, I want us to recap where we've been so far. So week one, we looked at the first few verses and we looked at this idea that Jesus is showing us around the dinner table the difference between the heart of religion and the heart of God. And the heart of God is marked by grace and mercy and this confronting of our sin and our desire to serve ourselves, while the heart of religion is about seeking to self-justify through performance. It's about shooting to... uh, seek to perform for yourself. It's about using others as a means to an end. It's about protecting your reputation at any cost so that people see you as perfect and have everything together. And it causes us to do several things. Religion will always cause us to point out other people's flaws. We'll be defensive about our own. And we will uh, not see our deep need for Jesus And it will make us think that we're an expert about everything. So religion does crazy things to us. Trying to self-justify will not be the way out, but it's only through the grace and the kindness and the mercy of Jesus and giving our lives over to Him. Last week we looked at this kingdom etiquette. And the kingdom etiquette, the kingdom of God, is about humility. It's about humility and serving, and we see this in the life of Jesus. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give His life as a ransom for many. But religion does this thing with us that says, you know what, people exist for me, they exist to serve me, and I'm not going to choose humility, I'm going to think about myself. And we gave this quote last week from C.S. Lewis, that said this, that true humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. And so we encourage you over the last seven days to develop a habit of thankfulness, confession, repentance, generosity, listening, and serving. That these five things are a way that we can exercise humility in our lives when we serve other people, when we listen to other people. We actually hold space for them to share the things that are going on in their life. We serve people when we do this and we actually are living out the heart of God. Today, the story continues around the dinner table and he's going to, Jesus is going to talk about the invitation. The invitation. If you wanted to write down a title for today, you can write that down. 
the invitation. And the big idea is this. You have been invited to the greatest banquet. Don't miss it for anything. You and I have been invited to the greatest banquet there will ever be in the history of the world, in the history of eternity. You and I have been invited to the greatest banquet. Don't miss it for anything. Don't miss it. Let's look at Luke 14, verse 12 through 24. He said also to a man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Right? It's this, it's this awkward moment. Okay, I'm in, right? I'm here. I'm around this meal. And I'm eating some bread. I'm blessed, right? I, I got it all together. I'm going to be the one that's blessed. But he said to him, Jesus speaking to this man, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. Now you know this is when the story is going to get awkward because rather than Jesus answering his question directly, I am going to be blessed, right? Jesus is like, let me tell you a story. At this point in the interactions between the Pharisees and Jesus, you know they're thinking, oh, this is not going to be good. And so Jesus confronts them by telling a story. A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife. When all else fails, don't blame your wife. Just write that down, men. When all else fails, do not blame your wife. Another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to the master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, sir, what you have commanded has been done. And still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. You have been invited to the greatest banquet 
Don't miss it for anything. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for these moments that You've given us together as a family. As a faith family that have put our faith and trust in You. God, I know that in Your sovereignty You've brought people here to this place today who have not accepted You as their Savior. God, I pray that they would see that You have invited them. You've invited them to come sit at Your table and to receive the forgiveness and grace and mercy and kindness that You have offered to them through Your Son, Jesus. Jesus, I pray that You would be lifted high today in both the religious, the non-religious, and the Christian today would be encouraged to follow You. To surrender everything to live, love, and labor for the glory of Christ. We ask You for this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Have you ever been invited to something significant? Have you ever been invited to something significant? Maybe it's a wedding. Maybe it's a party. Maybe it's an event. But we know that if it's significant, an actual invitation goes out. Right? It's this... It's this printed, usually with some cursive that none of us can actually read, right? And uh, some awesome scroll, first letter, and then we can read the rest of it. And we're all, if we're men, we're scanning for the details. When is it? How long is it? Right? What is the attire? What am I supposed to wear? And you get this type of invitation, and the purpose of it is for you to not only know that you were thought of, but know that you need to RSVP. You need to RSVP. right? You need to respond. And they will tell you how to respond. And they want you to respond so that they know how many they can count on. They're preparing for you. If you're that person who gets the wedding invitation and does not RSVP, man, shame on you. right? They're counting on you RSVPing so they know how many plates they have to purchase. They know how many people that they're counting on. And people who've newly been married, they're like, please, right? Do this. Save people some money. But we see here that an invitation has been sent out and yet some don't receive it. They make excuses. We'll get to this in just a moment, but before we get to that, there's an interaction between a religious man who is at the banquet and Jesus that shows us that there's some barriers to the invitation that God has for us. There's some barriers. And we see this right off at the get-go in verse 12-14. through 14. This Pharisee is throwing the party and has invited all of his rich friends to be at the party. But he's also invited Jesus. Now we've talked about this throughout the series that back then in the Bible times, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, during this time period, parties were a way of moving forward in your class system. Parties were a way of furthering your business interests. And so because of this, people would invite people that they knew that were influential, that could help them move forward. And they also invited Jesus. Now, they, their invitation to Jesus to come to this party was so that they could catch Jesus doing what Jesus does. Pretty cool party tricks. Right? We already saw this in week one. He heals the man with dropsy. 
Jesus is known for doing some crazy things at parties, like turning water to wine and healing people. And particularly at this banquet, Jesus healed a man with dropsy. So we know that based upon the way the Pharisees act, their invitation to Jesus was not because they wanted to be near Jesus. But it's because of what Jesus could do for them. They invited Jesus not because they love Him and they care about Him, but they accepted uh, Jesus into this meal and this banquet because of what Jesus could do for them. And what Jesus does here is shocking. What Jesus made about this situation would have been economic suicide. What Jesus says to them is a total social faux pas. It's what no one was asked to do or what was acceptable to do in the culture at this time, which was to call out the host. Was to say, hey, your purpose of inviting people is wrong. And He does this by telling them a story. Upon Jesus confronting them about it, it would have been shocking because to them, of course you invited rich people. Of course you would do this. Of course you would ultimately invite people who could show generosity back to you. Ultimately, of course you would invite people who could benefit you. And to invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind meant you were inviting people who could never repay you. And it's in this moment that the religious people are confronted with the barrier that really existed for them accepting Jesus' invitation. You say, well, what is this barrier? Well, we get a picture of what the Pharisees were really after in verse number 15. Look what it says, When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. In other words, it's a backhanded way of bragging about his status. And he's saying, I'm here. I've been invited to the table. I'm here. I'm important. I'm here. And I'm good, right? So I'm going to be blessed. You see, the barrier to the invitation of Jesus was religion. And religion always does this. It looks for a pathway to success apart from the person of Jesus. It's subtle, but what he's saying here is I'm blessed because I'm here eating. I'm blessed because I'm a good person. I'm blessed because I've gotten it all right. You see, it fails to recognize that none of us are deserving of the invitation to the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is going to confront their hearts and their minds here in this moment by telling a story. Jesus is confronting their hearts and their motives, but He's also confronting ours. You see, when it comes to God's party, what we need to see here is none of us deserve an invitation. That's why He brings up the poor, the lame, the blind, and the broken. Because none of them deserved an invitation. There was nothing they could do to show back reciprocating generosity. 
So what he wants them to see is there is nothing you can do, do to earn an invitation. The question is, why are we accepted to God's table to begin with? And the answer is because Jesus left everything to come to earth and to rescue you and me. He turned back on His own interests and He gave them up for you and me so that we could have an invitation to the greatest banquet ever. Now this is really, really important for us because upon coming to faith in Jesus, we can begin to believe that we are now the good guys. And that everyone else is the bad guys. And this is really, really important because what we can begin to believe is that I deserve to be at this table. I deserve to be here. Not just because Jesus has invited me, because Jesus lived for me and died for me, but you know what? I'm a pretty good person too. And you know, I, I get it right and I put the napkin on the way I'm supposed to. You know, I'm not this guy. We all know that guy, right? The guy at the nice fancy restaurant. You walk by his table and you're like, oh my gosh. I guarantee his date is like, what in the world is going on? But you know what religion does? It doesn't do this. It, it puts it right. And it sits all proper. And we can begin to believe that we have somehow earned our spot at the table. That we've done something to earn the right to sit here. And Jesus... He begins to confront this idea. And he's saying, there's no good guys and bad guys. There's only bad guys and one good guy. And his name is Jesus. And he's invited us to come sit at the table, not because we deserve to be at the table, not because our religiosity has earned us a seat at the table, but because he has granted us the ability to sit at the table because of his mercy and his grace. You see, Jesus is attacking the idea, the barrier, that there is nothing we can do to earn an invite or deserve an invite. What Jesus is doing is attacking the whole idea of reciprocity, which often undergirds the way that we think. And even if you're a Christian here, you put your faith and trust in Jesus, it subtly slips in. It slips in and it says this. On a day like today where we've got some empty seats, it's raining outside, it begins to do something like this. I wonder why they skipped. Man, God's going to get them this week. As if God is some kind of cosmic genie taking attendance at church. It's important for you to be here. Don't get me wrong. It's important that we come to the house of God why? Because we're in desperate need. We're lame and broken and poor and blind. We need help. That's why we come week after week. That's why we invest ourselves in small groups because we're in need, not because we've got it together. You see, most of us live, if we're honest, with this mentality that says you get what you deserve. And you give to others what they deserve. 
And it's something separate from the Gospel because if we got what we deserved, we would not be here. We would be separated from God. But God in His infinite love and mercy came and lived the life that we could not live, died the death that we deserved so that we could be invited to the table. If we got this deep down into our souls, it would absolutely change the way we approach everyday life. It would shatter the whole idea that we invest our lives primarily in those who could pay us back. How could someone who recognizes that they are presently at God's party because of His mercy and grace and His kindness ever believe that there is something that we could do to deserve His love? You see, it absolutely changes everything. Before we can dive into the invitation and the excuses people make, we need to understand that the biggest barrier to accepting the invitation of God is you and me. It's our belief that we could do something to earn God's love. And so Jesus, before He ever tells a story, confronts this man. He confronts this man about inviting and the heart behind it. You see, the barrier is really anything, including religion, that will keep you from seeing that there is nothing you can do to earn God's love. So let's look at some excuses. Let's go down to verse 16. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the same time, at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all began alike to make excuses. See, in response to this attitude and in response to this man's perspective that his religion earned him right before God and entrance into the kingdom of God, Jesus tells him a story. You see, the Pharisees love to be protectors. Protectors of God's promises, protectors of God's laws, protectors of God's people. So much so that they loved the law not because it humbled them before God, but because it built up their self-righteousness. That's why they loved the law. They hated Jesus because Jesus consistently and regularly threatened that power they had. Some of you are here today and you're struggling with a message like this because inside you're threatened by the power that you seem to think that you hold. And when God says, no, lay all that down and come follow me, you're threatened. You see, the Old Testament had been one long invitation to welcome the Messiah. That a Savior was going to come. That He was going to live the life that they could not live and died the death that they deserved. And rather than receiving the Messiah... Rather than welcoming Him with a kiss and embrace, it tried to slaughter Him with the Old Testament that He was pointing them to. They consistently were trying to trap Him for not keeping the Old Testament law. And then ultimately, they did put Him to death. 
because He threatened their religious existence. See, the Pharisees were trying to earn an invite into the kingdom, and Jesus is going to confront their excuses. Jesus lists briefly three excuses. Let's look at those. The first one is, something's come up, I have too much to do. And it's seen in verse 18 and 19, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. I go to examine them. Please have me excused. Now working a field and tending to your oxen and having a job and taking care of your responsibilities are all good things. They're important things. The reality is for these individuals, business was a calling. Their house projects were their livelihood. Their oxen were their future investments. I have a friend who uh, has a farm down near Front Royal and we're part of the archery club and I've been praying for him and uh, he's dealing with some health issues and uh, he raises cattle and I, I asked him one day, I said, how many head of cattle do you have? And he said to me, would you like to tell me how much money you have in your bank account? And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, man. He goes, for a guy who has a farm and who raises cattle, that is my bank. That, those are my investments. And so he was real kind, and I was like, uh, you know, um, sorry, didn't mean to offend you. And then he answered the question. He's like, 153. And I was like, oh, you're rich. Awesome. And, uh, and he began to tell me about what it looks like to invest. Those are good things. The man who bought a field, that's a good thing. The man who had five oxen, that's a good thing. You see, these are good things, but they had become more important things than God and His kingdom. At first glance, it sounds ridiculous that someone would skip out on an invitation to a banquet for that. But the truth is, is we make the same excuses. We make the same excuses with God. Every day, God's Word tells us that His mercies are new every morning. And yet, you and I, even who love Jesus, who have given our lives to Jesus, we find things more important than that. We find things more important than spending time with Him and in His presence and hearing from Him and hearing His voice. We find things more important than talking to Him in prayer and communing with Him. We find ourselves in a similar situation as to these two individuals who are making excuses to the invitation to come to the banquet. You see, we often forego the invitation. We often get up from the table that God has set for us and we get busy trying to set our own table. See, Jesus says, come sit with me at my table. And here's what most of us do. I'm good. I'll set up my own table. My own table of being a good person. My own table of, of you know, like earning money and, and, and taking care of my family. I'm going to set up my own table over here. And you know, every once in a while, maybe on a Sunday, I'll come and I'll sit at God's table. See, we, we're faced with the same thing. These same excuses. And the reality is, is there's no good excuse for skipping the banquet. 
So the first excuse is something's come up, I have too much to do. The second excuse is something's come up, I have family to tend to. The text says in verse 20, another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. This is a ridiculous excuse. Why? Because we all know the wife wants to go to the banquet. Right, ladies? You want to be at the party. Why? Because it means you get a new outfit. Right? You get, you get to be with your friends. Even the introverted ladies are like, yes, the banquet. A nice meal. A moment away from my kids. Right? The babysitter. This is the moment. And yet this guy brings this excuse up. But if we really think about it, it's convicting. Why? Because for them, the vows they had made before God now kept them from God. They had made a vow to follow the law, and that vow to follow the law for the religious, for the Pharisee, had done so much to them that it actually, rather than bringing them to God, kept them from God. You see, the Bridegroom of Heaven, Jesus, had come at last to have His bride. And they were unwilling to interrupt the marriage of religion they were already enjoying. And I think we find ourselves in this similar situation. It may not be the religious system that the Pharisees were dealing with, but it's the religious system of this world. Right? And the religious system of this world sounds something like this. Do all you can, get all you can, so you can sit on your can. That's the religious system of our world, of capitalism. Do all you can, work really, really, really hard, get all you can for your family, all the experiences, all the vacations, all the destinations, all the cars, all the boats, all the experiences. It may not be that for you, because maybe you don't have them, that many resources, but for you, you are trying to get your slice of the pie of what the world says success is. It might be a, in a, found in a marriage. It might be found in a job. It might be found in children. It might be found in experiences. It might be found in vacation. But wherever you find it, it is not the system of the kingdom of God. And if we're honest, rather than worshiping the Bridegroom of Heaven, Jesus, who had come to lay down His life for us, we have a marriage to the religion of this world. It says, let me earn this. You see, in Christ we learn over and over, like in Philippians 2, 3-4, that we should count others more significant than ourselves, but never more significant than God. Never more significant than Him. You see, we can only love others well in the end when we love them for His sake. And Jesus is confronting this excuse. He's saying, there's nothing worth missing the the great banquet. There's nothing. Don't miss it for anything. Including having a great house and a great family. The reality is, is you can't have anything that's truly great in the kingdom of God apart from Him. That's what he's getting at. So that brings us to the third excuse. 
The third excuse is this. Something has come up. I actually enjoy my life more than the kingdom of God. Say, where do you see that? Look at the very end of the section. He says, And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done. There is still room. The master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Why? Because the religious actually enjoyed what they were getting out of their religion more than they enjoyed Jesus. More than they enjoyed His presence. More than they enjoyed His miracles. More than they enjoyed what He was about to do for them and laying down His life for them. They enjoyed what they got out of this world more than God. And in the end, they would miss out on the banquet. See, here's the deal. It is a lifelong tactic of the enemy, Satan, to keep people from accepting the invitation of Jesus. For them to come and sit at the table with Him. He will have an infinite number of excuses for you to miss out on the presence of God. Why? Because He knows that if you experience the presence of God, your life will never be the same. He knows this about you and I. You see, Satan doesn't want you to see yourself as you really are the other people who were invited to come to the banquet. The poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Satan doesn't want you to see yourself like that. He wants you to see yourself as sufficient and got it all together. And when you don't see that, he wants to bring shame and guilt upon you and say your pathway to having those things is you earning it. See, Satan will absolutely do anything to get you to busy yourself building your own table. He will get you to believe that setting up your own table around your job will fulfill you. He will get you to believe that, that making your life about your kids and, and not about pursuing Jesus will, cer will cer certainly make you feel full. And will certainly make your life whole. But what's crazy about that is all of us who have kids know that that doesn't happen. Right? They disappoint us. They break our heart. They frustrate us. They get sick. Right? They do anything. Often. That make us feel like we're getting it done. Right? That make us feel satisfied. And we all know that our jobs ultimately, even though we may achieve everything, they don't satisfy us. You see, setting up your own table is exactly what the enemy wants you to do, apart from God. Because he knows that if you'll do this, you'll miss out on the banquet. The Word of God this morning is here today correcting us and calling us back to the table. Listen to the words in Revelation 19, 7-9. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, 
Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Who's invited? Is it the religious? Is it the people who have who've clothed themselves in their own righteousness? No, it says the righteousness of the saints. What makes us saints? Not our religious duties, not setting up our own table through our own deeds, through our own ways of living, but it's through accepting the invitation of Jesus to come sit at His table, not because we're worthy, not because we're capable, not because we're able, but because He says, you are welcome to come sit at My table, not because you're righteous, but because you know that you're poor, you're lame, you're crippled, and you're blind, and you've accepted the invitation of Jesus. Now come sit at My table. See, this is why the invitation is so important. This is why our vision statement here is inviting everyday people to surrender everything to live, love, and labor for the glory of Christ. What is this? What does this look like? It says, Jesus, I know my job is really, really important, but God, I surrender it to You. I surrender it to You. I lay it down for You to use me at my job. God, I know You've blessed me with these kids and this marriage, but God, I surrender it to You and I accept Your invitation of grace and kindness and love and mercy and I come sit at Your table. And I'm thankful to be at the table because just like the lame, the crippled, the broken, I could do nothing to earn an invitation to the table. You see, the invitation has been given to all of us. And what's left for us to do is to RSVP. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, this is what it looks like to every day get up and take up your cross and come follow Him. This is what it looks like for you and I as followers of Jesus daily to spend time in His presence. This is RSVPing for something that you have already been granted entrance into the great banquet with God. This is kind of like a couple weeks ago, I was invited to go to a baseball game, to the Washington Nationals baseball game with a group of church planters. And my boss, Steve, said, hey, I got your ticket. And I got this text message to my phone that said, please download the MLB app. I was like, that was kind of weird. So I texted Steve. I was like, I got this thing saying I had tickets and I needed to download the app. Is that legit? And he's like, yeah, yeah, download the app. So I downloaded the app and I put in my information and I put in this code that was texted to me. And sure enough, right there on the app was my tickets to the game. I didn't pay for them. They were great seats. We were right down the first baseline, about... 15, 20 rows up, great seats, could see the whole field, could see the outfield, wonderful seats. I didn't pay for them. All I had to do was accept the invitation and the ticket was on my phone and all I had to do was show up to the game and scan it. It was awesome. It was so much better than the old days of trying to buy a ticket from a scalper, right? Or show up to the the will call box office and get my ticket. It was right there. I literally walked up, and I walked through this weird-looking scanner that was a metal detector. It was just two tubes coming up out of the ground, nothing over top. Just walked right through, and the lady said, can I see your phone? And I, 
I just put it up. I was not even from me to them. And, and she was like, I see your ticket. Go on in. It scanned it. It was amazing. And I entered into the game and was there with a banquet of hot dogs and nachos and burgers that I didn't pay for. And I got to enjoy the game. Even as the Nationals lost to the A's and got walloped. I didn't even watch the game. I talked to friends. I got into the game to talk to friends that I didn't even watch. That I didn't pay for. This is what it looks like to be welcomed to God's table. All you have to do is accept the invitation. But in the end, many will trade the banquet for breadcrumbs. So the question is, will you respond to the invitation? That's the last point. Verse 23 and 24 is about your response. Have you accepted God's invitation to come eat at His table? You can't earn it. You just have to accept it in RSVP. And the RSVP in the kingdom of God is repentance and faith. It says, I repent, I turn from my sins, including my self-righteousness and trying to earn God's favor, and I place my faith and trust in You. Faith simply means trust, depend, rely. I'm going to stop trusting myself. I'm going to stop depending upon myself. I'm going to stop relying upon myself and I'm going to trust, depend, and rely solely upon Jesus and His invitation to come sit at the table. For those of us who haven't done that, that is your response this morning. I want to urge you to RSVP to God's invitation to the great banquet that will happen one day. One day, this world will be over. And we will all stand in the presence of God and we will either be granted entrance into the great banquet or God will look at us and say depart from me I never knew you and here's what's interesting about that statement depart from me I never knew you it will be some people who were at church every Sunday it will be some people who got up and even read their Bible every day it won't just be the person who's committed murder and adultery certainly there will be those who have done that who will not be granted entrance into the kingdom of God. And it won't be because of their sin. It will be because of their rejection of the Savior. So the question is, this morning, have you RSVP'd to the invitation? If you have, don't go back to the previous attitude that these Pharisees had. The attitude that says, I'm independent. I'm wealthy. I'm self-sufficient. I'm preoccupied. I'm capable. I'm a visionary. I'm self-assured. I'm satisfied. And oh, by the way, I'm good. Something's come up. I'm good. I got it all together. No. Those who have RSVP'd and show up are those who are dependent, needy, 
handicapped, broken, damaged, filled with doubts, marked by baggage, afraid, hungry, and alone. But they're at the banquet. They're at the banquet. Because they didn't earn a seat at the table, they accepted the invitation of God. They just showed up. And when you look at the banquet, at the end of this story, the quote-unquote worthy are outside. And the unworthy are inside. Because the unworthy says, there's nothing within myself that qualifies me to be at the banquet. But praise God, I've been invited in. See, there's no party crashers at this banquet. There's no party crashers. There's no, there's no wedding crashers. There's no banquet crashers in the kingdom of God. There's nobody who slips in and says, I've earned this seat. There's no one who can say, you know what? I know God, you, you, you have this way, and, and your way is only through Him, but I've kind of found another way. There's no wedding crashers. There's no banquet crashers. No party crashers in the kingdom of God. There will be a banquet. And the invitation still stands. You and I have been invited to the greatest banquet. Don't miss it for anything. Don't miss it for anything. Don't miss it for your religiosity. Don't miss it for your job. Don't miss it for your family. Don't miss it for anything. So how do we apply a message like this today? Well, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, and you've been making excuses for why you have not given your life to Jesus, those excuses might sound something like this, Jamie, you don't know my life and how messed up it is. Guess what? God specializes in lame, poor, broken, blind people. So if you're broken... That's a great place to be. Come to the banquet. Come receive the forgiveness and kindness and love of Jesus. Receive the invitation of God. Don't wait to clean yourself up to come to the table. For those of us who know Jesus, here's the application. You've been invited to the banquet. You've received His invitation. But He's got a meal for you every day. Don't miss it for anything. Don't miss it for another episode on Netflix. Don't miss it for another ball game event. Don't miss it because your kid's got another event. Don't miss it for anything. He invites you. And here's what's beautiful. In all of this life and all the things that we have going on with us, when we don't miss out on the invitation with God, he goes with us. He goes with us wherever we go. He goes with us to the ball game. He goes with us to the job. He goes with us to the difficult moments in our marriage because He's with you at the table. You're no longer alone. You're not sitting at the table by yourself. The Savior is with you at the table with your lame, broken, poor, blind self. You see, He doesn't choose seats at the table based upon whether we deserve to sit with Him. 
He chooses seats at the table based upon Himself and His love and His kindness and His mercy. And then lastly, the response to this invitation is we do exactly what Jesus says the Master said to the servant. He says, compel others to come in because there's still room. In other words, He has a job for every one of us to do and that job is not for us to continue to try to set up our own table, but He's asked us to help fill His table. Can you believe that? That He's given jobs to poor, lame, broken, crippled people who couldn't do anything to earn a seat at the table, but now He's given you a job. He's given you a job, and that's to fill His table. And He says, here's what your job is. Your job is to become a greeter and a waiter. Come sit at the table. God's invitation is waiting for you. Isn't that beautiful? That Jesus invites all of us to come serve the Master in filling His table. I know it went long today. But here's what I want us to do as we conclude. I want us to, everybody stand, everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here today and you have not accepted the invitation of Jesus, today is the day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today's the day. Don't put it off. Today is the moment to receive the invitation of God. And here's how you receive it. Here's how you RSVP. You just say something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm separated from You because of my sin. God, I confess my sin to You. If that's You, just confess it to Him this morning. Tell Him what it is that is keeping You from Him. I put my faith in You. Jesus, I, I believe that You died for me. Jesus, I believe that You were buried and You rose from the dead. And Jesus, I ask You to come into my life and to be my Lord, my Savior, and my God. I turn from my own ways and I turn to You. did that this morning, you RSVP to the great banquet. To the invitation that God has provided for you. Maybe you're here today and you've allowed other things to keep you from God. You've allowed your family, you've allowed your job, you've allowed your religious duties to keep you from God. And you have a seat at the table, but you're trying to build your own table. And you say this morning, I want to get back to the table that God has provided for and I want to get busy inviting other people to come sit at the table. Maybe that's you. I just want to pray over you this morning.